Let's stand up as we read Colossians 1, 21 through 29. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind. Yeah, we're there. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. Provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant, leading what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but is now the mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil and struggle with all the energy that he powerfully inspires within me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning and this time to be together with brothers and sisters. And Lord, right now, I pray that our hearts and our minds are open to your spirit. And may your spirit in these next few minutes speak to us and transform us more into your likeness. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Be seated. Now, I've said this story before, but I'm, I'm going to do it again. But one of my favorite TV shows, as you know, of all time is West Wing. And there's this one scene, this one story that has stuck with me and resonated with me from the moment I watched it. I just haven't been able to let it go. And so in this scene, you have um, Josh Lyman, who is this uh, assistant uh, chief of staff for the administration. And there comes a point where his boss, the chief of staff, and, and Josh Lyman's secretary begin to notice that he's struggling in these recent days. And so they arrange for Josh to see a therapist. And after Josh meets with the therapist, he runs into his boss, the chief of staff, Leo McGarry. And Leo is sitting in a chair waiting for him to come out of his therapy and appointment. And it's the story that Leo offers Josh about why he's doing what he's doing for Josh. It's one of the best stories, parables that I've heard in a long time. And it goes like this. This guy's walking down the street when he falls in a hole. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, help me out. The doctor writes a prescription, throws it down in the hole, and moves on. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts up, Father, I'm down in this hole, can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer, throws it down in the hole, and moves on. Then a friend walks by, hey, Joe, it's me, can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. The guy in the hole looks at him and says, are you stupid? Now we're both down here. Yeah. But I've been down here before. And I know the way out. Paul says at the end of, this at the end of verse 23 in this text, he says, I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. And later in verse 25, he'll write again, 
I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The heaviness of this statement from Paul, if we really read it and understand what's going on in the context, can really take our breath away. I mean, here is Paul, the Jew of Jew. Paul, whose path has been planned out since he was a kid. Paul, who has been given this ladder that he is climbing to the top to at some point he will be at the pinnacle of Jewish leadership maybe. It's a path many of us hope our kids are on. It's a path many of us may hope our kids will be, may wish to be on, a path to the top. And we all know people like this, and maybe you are one of those person. This is the life that says, you don't have to get in the hole with anybody because you have never and will never be caught in that hole. Yet Paul This guy, this guy who's been given the charmed life, is now writing these words to the Gentiles in Colossae. This section of Paul's text, we begin to see kind of a pastoral move by Paul towards the people of Colossae. We see in this text from verse 21 to 29 the, the heart of Paul towards the Gentile people. What could possibly make this man speak this way, speak in such a way to these people? And we see it in the very first few verses of the text. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. It is the gospel story, the story of the gospel, which Paul speaks about in in these few verses. The story of a God that did not forsake creation, but instead did something audacious. This is the story of a God who didn't just say from heaven and on high, you're reconciled, let it be. This is a God who got dirty. This is a God who put on flesh. This is a God who moved into history and did something about it. God put on flesh, broke into history, and reconciled us through that flesh, through his death, burial, and resurrection. It's that story that Paul now finds himself caught up into. And now as we read, doing the best he can to model it to the Gentiles of Colossae. Get this. A Jew modeled like Christ in the world to Gentiles. You really think about that. A Jew who feels called to model the life of Christ to Gentiles never would have been heard of years before. Never would have been thought about. I mean, Paul's path we see in Acts before Acts 8 is what? Boy, he is on the glide path. He's, holding the, he's the one who's holding the coats at Stephen stoning. This is Paul. And yet now Paul says, my whole life is to be a servant to God, a servant to this very gospel, a servant to now all those, to model what it means to be Christ. I mean, the statement that Paul says is a complete anathema in the first century until Jesus arrives on the scene. And yet here we are, Paul living his life as a servant to the Gentiles. Paul puts himself 
The gospel story seems to commission Paul to be with and for the Gentiles. Gentiles who were once seen as unclean and hopeless, Paul says now are a part of this story of the expanding kingdom of God. That as we read this text here, Paul speaks of this story that is expanding its way, moving toward Gentiles. And the only way the Gentiles are going to know who Jesus is is by somebody embodying that very gospel story to them. That were once away, but now the God of heaven puts on flesh, gets in the hole with humanity to reconcile. The only way the Gentiles are going to understand that is if someone embodies that, becomes the gospel story to them. And it's a Jew, as Paul would say. How will the world know what God is up to without somebody embodying the gospel story? How will the Gentiles know Jesus? And Paul writes it, but more importantly, Paul says he's going to show it. It's in his sufferings, as Paul says in verse 25. And what are those sufferings? Well, we get a, a little picture of that in 2 Corinthians. Far more imprisonment with countless floggings and often near death. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked for a night and a day. I was adrift at sea. Paul speaks of his sufferings. And in his sufferings, the life of the good news of Jesus will become known to the world. The sufferings are not something that Paul doesn't talk about. The sufferings are, as we see, the link to Christ for others to know the life of the one who put on flesh and went to the cross and died for you and me. As Paul jumps in the hole with the Gentiles, he says to them, well, it's the easiest answer we can imagine. It's Jesus. Jesus compels Paul because, you see, Paul was once in that hole too. Remember the Acts story. Paul once had scales on his eyes too. He couldn't see who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing in the world. All he knew is he didn't like And it's only when Paul encountered the resurrected Jesus that the scales finally begin to fall off his eyes. And it was because someone, and you remember that name, Ananias, got in the hole too with Paul and showed him the way out. And that's just it, isn't it? You and I must be willing to acknowledge that at one time, we were in a hole. I know it's hard to acknowledge. We want the perfect life. We want to look the best dirty by falling in a hole. We don't want to admit that we ever made a mistake. But we were there at one time. Whether we want to admit it or not, all of us were there at one time, and we needed someone to show us the way out. We needed to not just hear the gospel story, but we needed to witness the gospel story in someone else's life toward us we needed to see jesus before our very eyes so paul says to the the galatians basically woe to you galatians how is who is betwixt you you have seen christ before you and who is paul talking about he's talking about himself you have seen the resurrected christ before you in me It is in witnessing and experiencing Jesus before us, off of our eyes. And if you notice, we begin to see the world in a different way. We begin to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. And we can only do that. We can only do it when we see 
what it looks like to be Jesus. It's only then that we're willing to jump in the hole with and for someone else. The late rabbi Jonathan uh, Sachs in his book, A Hill to Heal a Fractured World, speaks of this Jewish concept of sanctifying the name of God. And it's a concept that refers to a behavior, a way of life that creates respect for God in the world. Paul has become a servant to this very thing, living a way of life that announces and creates respect for God within the world. They may know you're a Christian, but how do they know you're a Christian? They may know you love God, but how are you showing how you love God? He, he kind of explains it more this way. He says, the concept of sanctifying the name introduces into ethics a simple but surprising principle. We are God's ambassadors on earth. God needs us. The idea sounds paradoxical. I think I have it in here. It's not working. Uh, uh, we are God's ambassadors on earth. There it is. Uh, The idea sounds paradoxical, but true. Wittingly or unwittingly, the way we live tells a story. Presence. What does Paul say? He says in verses 26 and 27, he says this. He says that this, this mystery of God that is being enacted in the world, the mystery that has been hidden, notice this, hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery of God's action in the world, Paul is saying, this mystery that has been hidden for so long will now be seen by the world in the most surprising places. Through the life of Colossian Gentiles, through the life of the Gentiles of Corinth, through the life of the Gentiles of Philippi. But that's how they will know. It will be popped up in surprising places that God is reconciling himself to the world. It will happen when the first become last and the last become first. It will happen when we begin to pick up our crosses and follow him. When we begin to see ourselves, as Paul says in those to the very story and experience that saved each one of us here today. When we become servants of the gospel, which will mean, as we talked about last week, moving ourselves from the center, it will mean that the story of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, did more to us than just save us from hell. That the gospel story compels us to live into and now become a part of the story as well. It is even more than just half the battle. It will mean telling and living as well. You sanctify the name when others witness the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. As we live the story of Jesus, because it reminds the Colossians in verse 28, he tells us this very thing. He says, you're going to live it because Christ is in you and as you mature and become more in Christ, something they talk, we talked about in Bible class, what it means to grow up in Christ. We begin to live it more in our lives. Christ becomes a part of all of our lives. We are not called to be better than or live in this very minute. Because I can imagine right now we have people in our lives who we know are in a hole. And maybe we haven't acknowledged that they're in the hole. 
Maybe we'll put some blinders on so that we don't have to see the hole. Because a lot of times it will remind us of when we're in a hole. And we don't want to be reminded of when we were in a hole. But there may, people in your, may be people in your life right now who you know are stuck in a hole. And it's easy to ignore it. It really is. I know for me it's easier to make jokes about that person in the hole than to actually acknowledge that they're there. It's easier to think that, you know, I or we are better than the other because, you know, we're not in the hole and they are. But here's the thing, us too, that's not what Christ was calling Paul to. That's not what a a Christ-centered life looks like. As Paul has been encouraged. When you and I heard and experienced the calling of Christ, when we went in, as Paul will talk about the waters of baptism and came up, it was because someone else did something out of the ordinary. They sanctified the name of God through word and deed toward us. We got a whole new picture of God because of somebody else. Their life matched everything they spoke about. And maybe sanctifying the talking a good game. Maybe if we thought, about, thought more about what it means to live a life that creates respect for God, then we would change how we speak to one another, how we look at one another. And maybe even, as I wrote this, what we, wrote, what we write on certain platforms that everybody can see. Maybe it, become, maybe it means becoming more servant and having less time for all the other news, all the other noise of the world. I read a story once of a student and a teacher, and the student wanted the teacher to tell him why the Messiah hasn't returned yet. The teacher, in all of his wisdom, looked at the student and said, I will tell you a great secret. And then the teacher dropped his voice a little bit and said, It is not we who are waiting for the Messiah. It is the Messiah who is waiting for us. He's been here all the time. It is we who are not ready for him. We know the way out. We really do. Paul says Christ is here for you. We know the way out. I just wonder if we're acting like it. Sanctifying the name means less talking and more jumping into holes. Ourselves dirty for the sake of another to see Jesus. You're willing to get your hands a little dirty. Maybe even willing to scrape up your jeans. You're willing to not worry about what others think when you jump in the hole. I can't help but think that's what it means that Paul is speaking here, that Becoming a servant of the gospel. Sanctifying the name of God to the world. Probably means more dirty hands in the world. I know there's someone in your life right now that needs you to get in the hole with them. And they may look at you and go, why are you here? And you can, because somebody else jumped in the hole with me years ago. Maybe you find yourself in a hole right now. I'm going to bet this morning we got a bunch of people who are willing to jump in that hole with you. Hopefully because they just heard a sermon. But also because they acknowledge that they were in that hole too. 
So if you're in that hole right now and need someone to jump, I'll jump in with you. There are many people who will. This is a safe space to tell us you're in a hole. This is a safe space because we know that at the very beginning of all of this, it was the God of all creation. I'm going to show you what it looks like. And he jumped in the, and he jumped in the hole with us and showed us the way out. That's the gospel story. That's who we're a servant to, as Paul says. And that's who Paul says, I'm a servant to the Colossians today to become like. If you have any needs this morning, come now as we stand.